Good morning. Welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. Our gospel reading today is from the ninth chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 35. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And he called his twelve disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the twelve disciples. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me as we pray together in our time of meditation together. Let us pray the Holy Spirit prayer. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. Well, I'd like to begin today by extending a happy Father's Day to all here in our sanctuary and to those who are listening in. Happy Father's Day. Yes, indeed. It's one of those days that we remember those special people in our lives, whether they're still living or not. Most of you know my story. My father was tragically killed when I was 15 years old. And, you know, I sometimes wonder what my life would have been like if my dad would have actually lived longer than he did. I mean, I think about the impact that my dad had on me and the path in life that I probably would not have taken now if my dad had lived today. I don't really know. It's, re it's really hard to say. But, you know, fathers do have significant influences on our lives. And so... Happy Father's Day to all here today. I've said this before, you've heard me say this multiple times, and I'm simply going to say it again to refresh you and to remind you that this long season of Pentecost, which we are now in, and it's going to be a long season because we're going to be hearing about the season of Pentecost and being in this time until late in October. So that means we've got the rest of June, July, August, September, and October. We've got another five months that we are going to be in this season of Pentecost. It's oftentimes referred to as the time of the church. That's some of those liturgical things that we talk about. It's also oftentimes referred to as the in the meantime or the in-between time. 
And so, you know, when you think about the overall context of the church year, you know, we start out with Christmas and we have this season of Epiphany in there where Jesus reveals himself and then we move right into the season of Lent and we look through, we go through the whole entire story of Christ's passion and death and resurrection. And then we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit being given to us and now we're moving into this time of what we call the church. And you and I, we are part of the body of Christ and we as people who are, we are Pentecost Christians. That means that we are Holy Spirit Christians, even though we as Lutherans don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit, but we are led. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit and we are led by the gift of the Holy Spirit and we are guided by the life of Jesus. We're guided by his teachings and the power and his power to save. And we're also called by his commissioning to us to go into the world, bringing the presence of the kingdom of God near in all so many different ways. Through our outreach ministries that we have, through our very presence and our witness through word and deed here in this congregation, here in Lake Havasu City. And that is something that extends well beyond the walls of this congregation. And we're also called to share the same compassion, the same grace, and the same mercy that Christ shared and taught us to live through his example. And yet, when you think about that, even if you think about that just for a minute, that in and of itself is pretty overwhelming. To think that we are called to share the same compassion, the same grace, and the same mercy that Christ shared with us. And we all know that that doesn't work very well, does it? That this gets in the way. This gets in the way. And that's why we need to keep coming back. We need to keep coming back and hearing Christ's words to us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that means that even now, as broken people, that Christ still, that, that death and that resurrection that Jesus died for us, it is still very much as effective now as it was 2,000 years ago. And then we can go out with that same sense of at least beginning to attempt, attempt to share the same compassion and grace and mercy that Christ has shared with us. We're also reminded today that Jesus was constantly on the move. He was traveling from city to city and village to village. And wherever he went, he was bringing the presence of the kingdom of God near to all. Through his very presence, through his teachings, through his healing, and through his compassion. One of the things I think it's important for us to think about and just take some time to reflect on is the fact that Jesus was not a person who went to the synagogue or who went to the church and just waited for people to come to him. Does that sound like us? I mean, when you think about, I, I, when I think about the history of the Lutheran church, and I'm being a little bit critical of us now, and I think I, rightfully I can be because I've, I've been a lifelong Lutheran, I think that that's sort of been our mindset. It's kind of like, oh, well, we've got this beautiful church, we've got this beautiful sanctuary, we've got 
these wonderful facilities, and well, we're just really nice people, you know. Well, the people will come to us. Well, it's, it does sort of happen that way a little bit, but in the overall scheme of things, it really doesn't happen that way. The way it really happens is, is that we are to be out there inviting people to come and to be a part of what it is that we do here. And if we learn anything from Jesus, we will learn that Jesus was not the one who sat around and waited in the synagogue, who waited in the church for people to come to him. Rather, he went out to them. Jesus was in the streets, and he was the presence of the kingdom of God coming near. As I've reflected and pondered on this gospel text before us today, I'm also reminded of the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in the 14th chapter of John, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do even greater things than these. I tell you the truth, anybody who has faith in me will, e will do even greater things than these. You know, as I have looked back over the course of history, since the time of Jesus, I think we can say that it is truly remarkable, and it can be said without a doubt, that the power of God has been at work, that the power of God has been active and moving and touching lives with the forgiveness, the love, and the compassion of Christ ever since Christ came into the world, and even before that. But I think we can also say, if we really take a serious look back on history, even now, that there has been much resistance and that the forces of evil and the selfishness of humankind, they have been doing everything in their power to thwart and to hinder the message of the gospel. All you have to do is go back and look at the first 300 years in the life of Jesus and the first 300 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and you will see practically every single leader on that time did everything within their power to crush Christianity. Christianity was, it was, it was on the defense. They were always trying to survive. For the first 300 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the church was always, always being persecuted. And yet, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, the power of God to save was still at work in the world. And that same power to save is at work in the world even now, today. Jesus summoned his disciples and he sent, sent them out. He sent them out to share the good news and to proclaim the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God has come near through their preaching, through their healing, and through their teaching. And you know, as I think about that band of disciples, you know, this was very early on in the ministry and his relationship with them, and yet Jesus still sent them out. And when you think about it, these disciples were greenhorns. They were rookies because they certainly didn't have a whole lot of experience in doing or teaching or healing, and yet they still went. And they went with a sense of trust and a faith in the one who sent them. And the reason why they went is they went because Jesus sent them out with authority, not to dominate or to force any kind of faith or religion on people, but they went out with authority to love. They went out with authority to love and to forgive and to heal and to be the presence of the kingdom. You know, I can't help but think back on my own life. 
sensing a call to go, and yet feeling ill-equipped. In my early days of being in my faith, I can tell you that I was a greenhorn just like these disciples. I was uncertain. I was unconfident. I didn't know what I would say or how I would say it, how I would present Jesus to other people. But one of the things that kept giving me a greater sense of confidence was the other people that I walked with on my faith journey. My faith, my trust, and my confidence, it was strengthened through the support that I received from those who were walking and facing this journey along with me. Even though I was this young Christian early on in my faith and really didn't have much confidence at all, it was I gleaned and I got confidence from the other people that were around me. And I can name those people. I know exactly who they were. And I think it would be a good exercise for all of us here to think back on our own faith journey and to really take some time to think about who were some of those people and who are some of those people who are yet still a part of your support network who help you and encourage you and strengthen you and along your journey of faith and your confidence of faith in your life. Most of you know I was a camp director for 20, 22 years, and I saw that same exact dynamic during my years in outdoor ministries. You see, every year we would hire at our camp, we would hire about 40 to 45 young college students. And I would see this core group of counselors coming in. Half of them would probably be new. And I would see these new counselors, and they'd be coming into camp every summer, shy, quiet, hesitant, unsure of themselves, and, they're, and wondering whether or not they had the abilities to be a counselor. And yet, one of, the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about camp ministry is that we were always hopeful that we were going to have this core group of people that would always be coming back year after year after year as returning staff. And it was because of those people, it was because of those returning counselor staff who came in with those new counselors and walked alongside of them in the midst of this new venture through their sense of not having the confidence that they had or not questioning whether or not they had the ability to witness. And it was the willingness of those veteran staff and those veteran counselors to also be willing to share their own vulnerabilities with these new staff and letting them know that they've been there and they've walked that path with them that helped them in their trust and their faith to become counselors that were nourished and encouraged and they grew in their confidence of faith and that they blossomed throughout their summer at camp. I could tell you story after story after story of these young, inexperienced, greenhorn counselors that came into camp, you know, quiet, shy, hesitant, no self-confidence at all. And by the end of the summer, they were up in front of the church and they were up in front of the campfire and they were leading these kids with gusto and enthusiasm and passion beyond what I could even ever imagine was possible. And I believe that one of the reasons why these disciples were able to do the things that they were called and sent to do is because they had Jesus and they had each other to encourage and to uplift and support one another. And most importantly of all, they had the power of God working through them. That very spirit, alive and active now, is still active and alive now through us and even in a greater church.
As most of you know, Butch Schaefer, Betty Schaefer, Mike Flesher, and myself, along with my wife Kim, we recently went to the Grand Canyon Synod Assembly last week. And I always enjoy Synod Assemblies. And the reason why, one of the reasons why I enjoy Synod Assemblies is because I, along with the other representatives from our church, we get the opportunity to, again, to gather as people of faith and to be reminded that we are a part of this much larger, greater Christian church. Not just the Grand Canyon Synod here in Arizona and Nevada, but throughout the entire United States and even the world. And one of the things that they always do at Synod Assemblies is they always share testimonials and have people get up and speak about various ministries. And one of the things that I can tell you is a common theme amongst Synod Assemblies is this theme of generosity. It's one of the greater gifts of our church. I told this to the kids, you just heard it. Our financial benevolent support, combined with the benevolent support of over 8,600 churches in the United States, is making a difference in the lives of people all around the world. The words from Jesus, anyone, anyone who has faith in me will do even greater things than these. That witness was evident at this Senate Assembly as we heard about a partnership ministry that we in the Grand Canyon Synod share a partnership ministry with a mission just on the other side of the border in Mexico. We are in partnership with that mission. And the director of that mission is a woman by the name of Sister Angelica Macias. And just every single day, even today, this morning, there are 120 people at that mission today. They're migrants who are seeking asylum in the United States of America, who want to become United States citizens. And those 120 people that are at that mission today, they are there and they are being given shelter, they are being given food, and they are also given proper legal counsel. Every single one of them goes through the proper legal paperwork process of immigration at that mission. And they stay in that mission for as long as it takes. And for some of them, it takes over a year before they actually get through the immigration process and get to actually come to the United States and start a new life. Since the inception of that ministry that happened in 2020, over 2,500 people have come into the United States and have been, been a part of that mission just on the other side of the Mexican border. The United States-Mexican border. And one of the children who stayed at that mission said it like this. She said, this shelter is a hug. It's a hug. That's coming out of the mouth of a babe. That's coming out of the mouth of a young child who's lived probably some kind of life of persecution wherever she or her family are running from and seeking asylum in the United States. And yet she has lived in this mission long enough to experience love in the form of a hug. Greater things than these will be done. We heard from Reverend Sarah Cutter. She's from the churchwide office in Chicago. Did you know that since the inception of the ELCA, there have been 311 new ministry starts in the United States? 
And a year ago, last year, they approved another 33 new additional mission starts in the United States. Lutheran World Hunger, this last year in 2022, received over 22,905,000. And the Lutheran Disaster Response, which is another worldwide network of ministries, they received $23,780,000. Those two sets of money, when you add those two together, they, 19, in 2022, they set a record. A record amount of support was given between Lutheran World Hunger and Lutheran Disaster Relief in 2022. That means that there are thousands, if not millions of people around the globe who are being fed and who are receiving emergency response care because of what the Lutheran Church is doing in the world. Fund for Leaders this past year was funded to the tune of $3,062,000. You know what that Fund for Leaders does? It makes it possible for seminary students, future pastors of the church, to receive theological and biblical training with full scholarship support because of the people and our generosity in the greater church. We are training the future leaders of the church through that funding. The church celebrates and supports young adults in global mission. That was the exact same program that Kim and our son, Zach, participated in and spent two and a half years in Japan as a missionary. And coming up in the summer of 2024, we will once again gather for our national youth gathering in New Orleans, where over 35,000 young adults and youth will gather. I think one of the things that we need to do more often is that we need to lift up the fact that we are a part of a greater presence in the world, that the gospel presence of Christ is much greater than we, just we, this one church amongst many. And that greater things than this that Jesus foretold to his disciples, those greater works, those greater things, they are truly happening in our synod, in our country, and in our world. Jesus sent his disciples to proclaim the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. And they were able to do that very thing because they took a step of faith trusting that the one who was sending them out was with them, giving them the words and the gifts to minister to those that they encountered. But they also did it because they had each other to uplift and support one another in their mission. May we have the same trust, may we have the same faith and the same confidence that these disciples, as we continue to fulfill our call to witness and to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer the Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us none to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
And now go forth from this place, refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly for you, carry within you all that you need, and remember that you have Jesus with you all the time. And notice God's presence in simple everyday experiences, and whenever, whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And may the blessing and the joy of God, our Creator, Healer, and Life Giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.